0: Good afternoon, Roadie Nation. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you celebrating both on campus and at home. Mark Remark is back on WRAU 90.3 FM Kingston. I'm Mark Radigan. As always, this week, bringing in a guest, close friend of mine, friend of the show, a team that's a very close friend of the show. This week, I'm talking to the head coach of one of the I'd say more underappreciated squads on this campus, one that a lot of teams, a lot of fans probably don't follow very extensively, but one that has grown in success over the past few years. I'm talking about the Rhode Island Men's Club's lacrosse team, a team that uh, we've had a number of their players on my show in the past. But today, I'm joined by head coach and former player, Charlie White. Charlie, how are you doing
1: today? I'm doing fantastic, Mark. Thanks for having me on.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. I was looking forward to try and get some new perspectives um, from the lacrosse team. and haven't had a coach on yet, and just considering your experiences and being um, in your sort of, let's say, infancy of your coaching career as a a part of um, this program. You've got a lot of interesting sort of stories to tell and interesting perspective in terms of how this team has, and this program has grown over the past few years since you've been involved so, we got a lot to discuss today, a lot, a lot of prep and a lot of research that I was doing to try and figure out a good um, timeline to spell out for fans listening. But I want to take it back all the way to before your true success at URI um, on the field. I want to just kind of go back to a little bit of when you actually got into lacrosse and what led to your ultimate decision of trying to pursue <laughs> lacrosse here you arrive because playing a club sport obviously it's quite it can be quite different from doing uh going through the recruitment process of eh, division Mm -hmm. one athletics excuse me um so i mean i'm just curious just what kind of led to you joining the club team and just how'd you get into it
1: yeah so uh during high school i'm sure a lot of guys on the team and guys listening could um attest this but The recruiting process was kind of flawed. I think when I was in high school, um, you had kids committing to like top three, top four schools as eighth graders and stuff like that. And there was no like actual rules around it. So um, you really had to go pedal to the metal if you wanted to get recruited. And I was part of that freshman year, sophomore year, going to showcases all over the country, going to prospect days. My parents, God love them, paying an absurd amount of money I'm sure to get me to go to those things. But, yeah, I think I personally, I think a lot of people have this exact same problem, got burnt out. Um, Just too much lacrosse all the time. Um, I think by my junior year of high school, I think I decided, like, I'm going to stop actually pursuing this. I think I decided in my head before that. But I think my junior year is when I actually made it, like, a point to say it to my parents and say it to people who my friends were and, like, around me and stuff, Um, which was tough because a lot of my family played – Division one lacrosse. I had a cousin play at Bryant. He actually played in the MLL. Cousin play at PC. Uh, Cousin play at Bryant again and played at Tufts as well. Um, So it was kind of tough for me uh, saying that out loud, but I think it was the best decision I've ever made because ultimately I came to URI. I knew some guys um, that I played with in high school at LaSalle uh, that were on the team, and they're like, oh, you should come out and play. It's only like three days of practice a week, blah, blah. And I kind of didn't really know what to expect. uh, So I was hesitant at first, but uh, when I came to URI, I was like, I'll give it a shot. Let's see what it is, right? And um, then from there, I kind of just fell back in love with it, right? Because I think high school, I, I loved the game, definitely. Um, but I was definitely burnt out from trying to, you know, go play in college in NCAA somewhere because of all of the, you know, things that go along with that. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited that I that I did it, obviously. And it's led me to uh, open a lot of new doors that I didn't think were possible going into college. Um, so, Yeah.
0: And so, like, when you actually ended up making it onto campus, kind of talked about that sort of um, just being burnt out from the game in general. But when when did you first try out? Like, was it the spring of your freshman year? Like, how how long did you take to get acclimated at URI before you were like, all right, maybe I want to give this another chance?
1: Yeah, so uh, one of my really good friends actually, shout out Brett Dolan. Um, I didn't want to. I kind of wanted to wait a semester because, like you said, I was – Burnt out. I wanted to kind of acclimate to college, you know, take all the things that URI has to offer in, and um, he kind of just hounded on me, made sure that I was at tryouts. I tried out. He's like, "Trust me, like you'll have fun, you'll enjoy it." Blah blah. blah. Um, so shout out Brett for that. Um, wouldn't be where I am right now. I honestly wasn't for Brett, but um, yeah. So he just he made sure I was there. I went out. Uh, I met a lot of the guys that were on the team, and it was a good group of guys. Um, that was the my freshman year so we had just moved into the continental lacrosse conference i think that was there was a a reshaping of the conferences or something like that i don't know the exact backstory of that but uh first year in a new conference got new helmets new uniforms all that kind of stuff so i kind of think i i came in to a program the foundation was already being set for uh while the success might have not been there before i think that like the foundation the seniors juniors all the upperclassmen laid before i got there um, made it more of an appealing place to play, you know, if that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of the freshmen, the guys in my freshman class, um, enjoyed playing because, you know, you get there, you get new helmets, you're like, oh, I'm on a college lacrosse team, right? Like, this is what it feels like. Um, and a lot of people didn't really know what club was, right? Like, I think people still don't know what club is. Um, I think the, the connotation around the word specifically gets people uh, thinking it's just like an intramural league, which is, it's not at all. It's very competitive. Um, but I'm sure we'll get into that later as well. But yeah, basically, he made sure that I was at the practices, tryouts, stuff like that, and I ended up um, obviously staying on the team. And so.
0: Was it at that point, had they already made the um, decision to drop down from Division One club to Division Two, or were they in Division One at the time when you tried out?
1: I think that that summer or after the spring of my senior year, uh, which was um, 2017 spring, 2018 spring, they played in Division One, and I think that um, it was, like, years and years of just um, not very much success, so they're like, we need to try Division Two out um, for whatever reasons it was. I think my freshman years when we first started playing in CLC Division Two, yeah.
0: And so then, how competitive was it at that point? Because obviously, like, you had been playing for three years prior to my involvement with the team, and so then since I've sort of joined working with you guys doing a lot of media stuff, I've seen a very competitive and very just um, efficient and serious program in my two and a half to three years that I've been working with the team. But, I mean, I've heard just about how a lot of the serious groundwork for this team was made during your initial years there. And just what was the level of competition like back then? Was you or I at that point like having dropped down to Division 2 being a team that was um, I, some might say not very competitive in Division 1 dropping down a division was it instantly like alright we're in a good spot with a lot of these other teams or just what was that initial sort of first two seasons let's say like
1: uh, the first season my freshman year it was ultra competitive right everyone on the team wanted to be there everyone on the team wanted to you know win um, and they were willing to do like what it took to get there obviously I think we lost to Bridgewater State and Central Connecticut my freshman year in the regular season. I think we went into the tournament as a three seed, something like that. We had a close game with Stonehill as well. Um, and I think that we we went in and like we kind of hit our stride somewhere in the middle of the season because I think a lot of us were new. We were trying to figure out how to play with each other, and um, you know we weren't meshing the right way. And then I think that it clicked just one day. Uh, I forget what game it was exactly. It might have been against New Haven. I forget exactly what it was. We just clicked offensively, defensively, special teams, all of that kind of stuff. And from then on, we didn't look back. We lost by two, I think, to CCSU in the regular season. We won by six in the championship. So um, that that year was honestly one of the most enjoyable years because you go in with, like, no real expectations, right? You kind of walk in like... I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I'm just here to have fun, right? And then you become part of a team that, you know, has established a culture that they want to win, right? And they want to work hard. And I think that that was what made me fall back in love with the game that freshman year. And I give a lot of credit to those seniors, upperclassmen, the guys who were leading the team because, um, like you said, it was a team that was pretty unsuccessful. So it would be easy to get a lot of guys, like, not really care or anything like that. But when I walked in, the care level was – off the charts. right? People already cared a lot. They set the foundation for us to be successful for years to come.
0: And so then as those years sort of progressed, I want to jump to just your senior year because that was, I would say, probably your most successful year as a member of the program from team accolades to person accolades and so on. That was my first year when you had um, encouraged me to come on and come on board, do a lot of the social media stuff. Um, But that season was interesting to me because you kind of talked about that not really having much of an expectation. It seemed that the expectations were starting to grow in terms of conference play, but when you're, when you're talking the national stage, it was, okay, anything beyond like winning the CLC or being competitive in the CLC was gravy. And that was something I sort of caught on to rather quickly when I joined up with the team because like, I was like, all right, trying to gauge sort of like you said where like people don't really understand how competitive club lacrosse is. I wasn't never really around a lacrosse team in general and then coming seeing the sort of the club atmosphere I sort of just assumed like all right, like these guys care, these guys are it's a it's a group of guys that probably have the skill set to play like division 3, division 2, some division 1 but are coming here and playing just trying to go out and do it but like no, it's there's a whole different sort of energy that's around team teams like this. And so, I mean, When you hit your senior year, you've been around the block now. You're now in, I guess, in a a leadership position, the strong end of that, being one of the captains. Um, For that year, considering how won the CLC, then made it deep in the national championships, just kind of talk me through a little bit of the feelings of that year. Because, I mean, I know you... CLC Offensive Player of the Year, a third team, All-American, and... Helped really put Rhode Island um, on, uh, put the country on notice and uh, on the national stage, uh, sort of showing up for Rhode Island. But I mean, so just tell me a little bit about what that season was like for you.
1: Yeah, so that season, I think that could have gone one of two ways. And I think the foundation for that season being so successful started in actually the season before. So the class of 2021, the seniors then. um, COVID obviously hit 2020 so my sophomore year season got cut in half because obviously no games after a certain date right march 8th or whatever it was um so the seniors that year the class of 2020 they graduated they couldn't you know have a chance to go win a national championship right the year be- after that class of 2021 um those guys they th- there was a a weird national tournament that year i believe i think you only had to have like one or two Conference games to qualify, and I think if you met like three or four qualifications, other than that, like you qualified for a bid to nationals. And I think at that point we were a top like 12-15 team in the country based off our record from the year prior. Um, so I think we would have been in. But I mean, this is more of back end thing that I don't, I wasn't very involved in. But somehow we didn't qualify for the national tournament, even though we thought we met all the requirements, right? Um, so those guys got robbed of a chance to um, go to the national tournament. I keep saying national tournament, right? But that's, that was the goal at the point, cause, right? Because my freshman year we won the CLC. We couldn't afford to go to nationals because we didn't budget for it properly. Um, and then the next goal was go to nationals, right? Um, but those guys, I think that they knew um, it was going to be tough for us to get to nationals regardless based off travel restrictions. Basically, We couldn't even play games out of state, right? Like that was – the restrictions we were faced with. Um, So it was going to be tough, but those guys made sure that everyone else on the team thought that there was like a high chance we go, right? So like we stayed competitive, we came to practice, we worked every single day, right? Um, And I think a lot of teams, at least coaches that I've talked to in the MCLA sphere, COVID kind of ruined a lot of that for them because guys quit, guys stopped playing lacrosse because obviously, you know, that affected everyone in a negative way um so a lot of teams are still like rebuilding reshaping retooling well we had pretty much the same like core of guys that we were going into the next season with right so i credit those seniors the class of 2021 um a lot for keeping us together through that hard time um and because of that like i said the same core guys who were returning came back right we didn't have a lot of guys that just didn't want to play anymore because covid was a bad season and all that kind of stuff um so yeah we had a very strong leadership group from the seniors. Uh, I think we had a class of like nine or 10 seniors that year. Um, the juniors, the class below us, right, they were pretty strong as well. I think that was eight or nine of them. And then sophomores, freshmen, so on and so forth, right? So we came in with a pretty senior or upperclassmen heavy roster. And I think that we knew what it took to get to nationals, but we didn't know like what nationals were like, right? So when we won the CLC and we qualified for nationals, I think everyone's mindset was we want to win an national championship because there's no point in going into a t- any tournament and being like, Oh, let's win a game or two. Right. But I think in the back of our heads, we were just like, I hope we win a game. Right. Because that's the first step to, you know, getting better. I mean, you got better from last year. Right. Um, and then three or four days after our first win, right. We won an overtime. It was a pretty fun game to play. in. honestly, that was probably the most fun game I've ever played in, in my life. Um, Shout out Utah State for that. Uh, And then three days later, we're in the national championship, right? It's kind of like blinks, like you blink and you're in the national championship, right? So our expectations kind of changed from like, oh, we're here, we're having fun, to like, oh, wow, like now it's time to like dial in. Like we got a chance to do something crazy here, right? And I think a lot of the nerves that came with that, right, from us going from a team that played super free-flowing on offense, defense, special teams, and kind of just had fun with it. Right, a lot of those nerves crept back in because we're like, oh, there's something on the line now, right? We're playing for a national championship. This is this would be awesome. Um but yeah, that was a really fun season. I think we found out from that season what we were capable of as a program on a national scale. Um and ever since then, like that season has kind of shaped the mold of how we want teams to be now, right? Like what, what our expectations are, what we think we can take, how we match up nationally with other teams and stuff so yeah i kind of forget exactly what you asked about that season but that was a a really fun season um sad it ended the way it did but i think it was still a success
0: yeah i mean i wanted to just kind of get your sort of opinions on just how that season overall went i mean that was sort of from my understanding how it was like that mentality of like oh we didn't come this far just to get this far Mm -hmm. like we it's That sort of thing, but then at the same time, like once you actually get there, and you talked about where it's like a free flowing, like just having fun, you start to be a little bit more cognizant of everything you're doing because you don't want that to like, like this isn't like oh we're just kind of screwing around at Mead Stadium now. Like we're playing for a national championship. We're playing with our reputations on the line and everything, and so on. So I, I could kind of I can understand where. You were talking about those nerves sort of creeping... Because, I mean, it makes sense. It's what happens when you've got teams like that. You I mean, you see it in March Madness a lot. You see it with teams that are, like, lower seeds that didn't really expect to be there. Or they're new to the environment. And it's something that you build off of um, in due time. And so one thing that I, you were uh, that I was interested in that you mentioned was just talking about, like, the overall depth of that sort of team. And I'm curious, just, what's the recruiting process like for a team like this? I mean it's to me it seems it's relatively standard where you uh, you offer like tryouts to the entire student populace because it's like any other club on campus like you have sign-ups being like hey like we want want you to come join our organization and so on and so forth but considering how competitive this program is and one that has aspirations to compete at a national scale just what is that sort of recruitment like are you is there ever the time where you're where you know guys are enrolling at URI, you and you're saying like, "Hey, this is something we'd love for you to do." Like, do you ever keep up um, relations with um, coaches, and, uh, coaches, and staff at like Lasalle Academy where you went and in, um, in Rhodey or anything like that? Like, any other alumni connections that help en- enhance that uh, recruitment pool, so to speak?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I think um, this summer I made it a a point to establish some sort of a recruiting process for the team because I, th- I think there's a lot of people out there that we don't know about that want to play for URI lacrosse um, so we wanted to put something out there to kind of give people the ability to um, show that they want to right to be able to talk with myself with Chris with Jamie whoever it may be about playing um, for the team so we, we did that this summer we actually got we put out our recruitment form. It was a Google form. Uh, posted it to all of our socials. Promoted it every two or three days, or whatever it was. And then we got around seventy people fill out the form, which is pretty crazy because I was expecting like 15, 20 people to do it, right? Um, but that kind of opened my eyes to like, wow, like this is like, we've we've done a lot more in the past couple of years for this program than even I thought we did, right? And I had pretty high expectations for what we did for the program, right? Um, but With that being said, the recruiting process, it's tough because um, as someone who went through the recruiting process and saw the shady things going on um, with, you know, like offering spots and offering scholarships and stuff like that, we can't do any of that lawfully. Obviously, club is pay to play, right? You got to pay dues to be on the team. Um, So we can't offer deuce dues or anything like that. Uh, one thing we were experimenting with is offering people just spots on the team because, like you said, we do have tryouts every single fall and we have a supplemental tryout in the spring. Um, but I think I think that that's just something that we have to be very very sure about a player. And um, I, I like the tryout model because you have guys um, like myself. I think that you know I probably wouldn't fill out a recruitment form or I probably wouldn't have tried to get recruited by URI. Right? I came to URI to for the school right I came because to be close to home to enjoy college with a lot of my friends from home and all that kind of stuff uh put across was like secondary at the time um so I don't I think that offering people who you've never seen play in your system and your structure spots on the team um I wouldn't say it's definitely like something we won't do I'm saying we'd have to be very very sure about that I like the tryout thing because you have guys that don't even know they want to play across in college that might try out and you know you're never really going to get um, especially at a big school like URI so we look forward to tryouts every year we try to find people that fit our type of player obviously you need to be skilled right but we want to have the mental toughness out there we want to have the effort be 100% every single player right the character like are you a good student all this kind of stuff right so we do a pretty good job of vetting all that stuff beforehand um, but I mean I think you can attest to this, too. Like, we got a great team this year, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that we had the recruitment form out, and I got in contact with a lot of these guys, get to learn more about them, um, you know, personally, other than just what they show on highlight tapes for lacrosse, you know. Uh, so I, I think that helped. I think it, it gave people a sense of belonging. Um, and, yeah, I think we're better for it. So, It's yeah. so that trial model, like, Thinking about it, like I feel like that it, it almost
0: does more in terms of showing off someone's actual character than it does their skill set sometimes, or at least um, from the way that I look at it. Because when you talk about where you've got guys that fill out the recruiting form, guys that will transfer into URI from other schools where they've played lacrosse. Like I know there were a few guys that joined the team last year that had played club lacrosse or like Division three lacrosse at other schools mm-hmm. and transferred here to come play. And so you talk about that where you're still going to put them through the tryout thing It almost it's a test of their own character where it's like, all right, like some people may assume, like, all right, wait, no, I'm too good for this. Why am I transferring into the school just to end up trying out for a team? But it shows how much they're bought into the culture that you guys have established that you've established as a player and now helped enhance as a coach and that just the sort of aura that is around this team and to that that um, idea of like, all right, this is a group that we're not just content with competing in the CLC and winning that. Like, we want to be relevant. We want to be at the pinnacle of the national stage. And so, I feel like that that tryout sort of formula does a really good job at vetting a lot of those guys even more because you can only do so much research beforehand where you don't really know the people. But when they show up, cleats on the turf. Sticks in, sticks in hand, getting ready to actually go up against guys that have been on this team already, like, then you kind of get a feel for, like, all right, like, how strong is this kid mentally? Like, how, how equipped are they for the rigor that we need them to be accustomed to if they want to be competitive? Um, and so the tryouts, I feel like, have always been one thing that almost sets this program apart, just be considering how competitive it is, just how competitive the tryouts can be. Um, and for only having just the two, just the two quick days, I feel like that you still witness a lot of really serious talent. And I can't imagine that it makes the decision any easier for you guys when you only have that short amount of time to really make those sort of decisions. Does does it, it's, it, is it a difficult one to have to narrow it down like that?
1: Oh yeah. It's impossible. I mean, the past two years that I've been a coach, we've cut a lot of very good players, right? Guys that would play at a lot of other schools that we play against or whatever it is, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I think that uh, you see a lot at tryouts that, like, the players that are playing don't think that you see, right? Like, for example, I'll, I'll call out Ty Peters. Um, last year at tryouts, he was trying out as an offensive middie, um, and his stick skills were were all right. They weren't great, right? He was probably on, like, the 9-10 line for the middies. And then the last day of practice, I was like, or tryouts, I went up to him and I was like, have you ever played any defense at all, right? Like short stick, D midi, long stick, whatever he goes. Nope, i put attack my whole life. I was like, you're trying out as a midi and you were an attackman, And now I'm going to ask you to play defense, right? And half of that wasn't me being like, oh, like I, I see this great potential in Ty, which I did, but I, I'm not trying to say that I have this great eye for talent, all that kind of stuff, you know? Um, but I was trying to test his will, right? Test his spirit, see if I could... Because all, all week he was doing great on like ground ball drills and all these kind of small things that you don't really think people notice but it's all effort drills that he was doing really good in right so I'm like guys with that kind of motor if they can have the mental toughness like he'd be a great short stick team Mitty, right and he's a great athlete obviously um he said he never played defense in his life he did some one-on-one reps right and he was just locked down immediately right so we're like this guy needs to be on the team right He doesn't have to play exactly the position we, you know, map out for him, but he's got to be on the team because we got to have people like him, people like him make our team better every single day. Um, That's just one example, but there's plenty of others that we've done the same thing, right? Ask people to do certain things, and how they respond is a big indicator of, A, their character, and B, their willingness to, you know, change for the better of the team. Um, So there's little things we do. We like to have, like, little um, tricks up our sleeve, if you will, right, Um, during tryouts. Uh, for all that reasons. But but yeah, I think that our vetting process overall um, with everything we do, tryouts, the calls that I may have with prospective students, so on and so forth, um, gives us a great team. I, I wouldn't say there's anyone on the team right now that didn't earn it and doesn't deserve to be here. So, yeah.
0: And so those sort of leadership qualities are kind of what uh, lead me into this next thing I wanted to talk about was just your transition from playing and then moving into the coaching role yep. because I mean it was it's apparent the leadership qualities that you had as a player. but then to then move in to the coaching staff, it to me was a pretty it seemed like a pretty seamless transition for you because after you graduated, you moved in, um, Larry uh, coach Larry Madeira, he had put you in as the offensive coordinator for the team and I mean, you looked right at home like right what, when we came back came back in the fall right right moved right back in obviously you knew a majority of the team because a lot of the guys like we had talked about just there was a great deal of depth there a lot of the younger guys had came uh, came back in there was that junior class that you spoke about as well but i mean just like that decision after you graduated because everyone's going and trying to hop into the job market trying to find different things that they want to do with their lives and so on but like what was that decision like for you when the coaches reached out saying hey we want to bring you into the fold and have you come back because we see you as such an invaluable asset to this program
1: yeah well first thing i'm glad i looked comfortable and it was a seamless transition because it definitely wasn't right it was definitely hard um but so so going back to uh the national championship my senior year um when we lost uh we had our one-on-ones we have every year with uh myself larry and chris who was the defensive coordinator at the time um he's like hey like if like Larry, Larry said this. He's like, if you're around the area next year, like, we'd love to have you back as an offensive coordinator. And I kind of really didn't think about it at the time. I was like, ah, like, whatever. I'm going to do my own thing, you know, playing with lacrosse. After like a month or two went by, I was like, actually, that might be pretty good, right? Because you still have that sting of losing and like that competitive drive, if, if it's in you, um, it never leaves, right? And my last game as a player ever, right, ends in a loss. Like, that doesn't sit right with me still. Um, so I wasn't ready to leave the game. I think that uh, coaching was a great way to help me get back into it in a certain way. Um, but yeah, I, I like you said, it looked seamless for me, but it definitely wasn't, right? It's really hard to play with a bunch of guys, right? And be like a leader for them, obviously, but like, you know, like you respect them as like a peer, right? And obviously you do the same as a coach, but you have to have like a different presentation about it, you know? And that was that was a tough transition because, like I said, a lot of those guys are still my friends, you know, guys I played with. Um, but it got easier, and I, I credit a lot to those guys too because it definitely wasn't easy for them either, having to listen to me and all that stuff. But they made it a lot easier for me. Um, and I think, honestly, the the way I coach now is molded by how they allowed me to be, if that makes sense, you know. Like, I, I don't have to be hard on them. Like, I can, you know, give them nice, like, heart-to-heart, be like, hey, man, like, we need this out of you. We need this out of you, Right. Um, and I think that kind of, it, it's easy going into coaching. I know I'm kind of all over the place right now. It's easy going into the coaching, like saying like, I want to be tough. I want to make sure everyone's like getting like disciplined and everyone, I'm being hard on everyone. Right. But in the end of the day, like that's not gonna, you know, bear you as much as you think it will. Right. And I think, I think that because they allowed me to, you know, be a coach that's like, it helped me form like my coaching style now if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that kind of leads me into one of the next things I wanted to talk about was just like after you got over that sort of initial awkwardness of like all right, I just went from being this guy's these guys captain to now their coach well, for the for the offense at least. Once you got over that initial awkwardness of like that sort of different position, mm-hmm. um did you feel that because you were so recently a part of the team, playing alongside them, that it made almost coaching them a little bit easier because you had like that great understanding of how they operate as players because you were able to play with them for an extended period of time.
1: I think yes and no. Yes, obviously because I knew like tendencies and like what people like to do and where you know one person might be more comfortable dodging from or where one person might be more comfortable finishing from, so on and so forth. So that definitely helped having, like, the character, I guess, of the team at the time, uh, knowing that inside and out was very good. Um, But at the same time, it was also difficult because as a coach, you have to see things from an entirely different lens. So it was kind of hard to um, change my view, if you will, uh, about, like, because you got to see the whole team. You got to see all the moving parts instead of just, like, your job or, like, the person next to you's job and the person to the right of you and left of you's job, right? You have to see all 20 or whatever people It is for offense, specifically for offensive coordinator position. Like, what are they doing? Like, what is he really good at? How do I get the most out of him? Right. So on and so forth. So it was in that way, it was difficult because I had to, I had to try to explain to some people that I had to see the game from a whole new view. I had to see the game holistically instead of just like microscopically um, but I also still saw it from that original angle, if that makes sense, right? But um, it, bottom line is coaching is a whole different thing than playing. Obviously, that's pretty easy to figure out. But like, I didn't realize it until I started actually doing it. And it's completely different world that you have to worry about a million different more things. Um, but yeah, I think I'm I'm more used to it now because of, like I said, how they allowed me to be last year. And so then
0: as the season progressed, I believe you guys' record was 15 and 2 last year, Mm -hmm. according to the uh, MCLA website. Yeah. Um, But I mean, 15 and 2 in your coaching debut season. Obviously, the national tournament didn't really go the way you'd hoped, losing to Dayton, who eventually made the final. Mm -hmm. Um, But just as the season went on, you became more comfortable. Just what were some of the things that helped you sort of ease, ease into the position? Like what were things that you noticed yourself doing or, um, things you noticed like your players, certain things that the players responded to that made the job a little bit easier. And obviously the, I assume the wins probably helped make you feel a little bit better, but just what were some of the little nuances that might've made the job easier for you as time went on?
1: So two things specifically, I think the first thing I have to say is Um, a shout out to Larry because Larry always saw a lot of potential in me and always wanted me to be able to reach my full potential Um, for those of you guys who don't know he was my first coach in elementary school I think third or fourth grade for our town league Um, and I kind of just stuck with him for a while right and then high school obviously uh, and then came back to college and he's the head coach right but Larry's always looked out for me he's always had my best interest in mind he allowed me to kind of take More of an executive role of the offense, right? He wasn't worried about putting his hand too far into the offensive like reach, and he was like, "This is all you. Like, I want you to like handle this, right?" So, giving me that ownership as a 23 year old who just graduated college really helped me kind of understand like the brevity of what it takes to be a coach, and he allowed me to obviously thrive, but also fail, and I think failure is. that situation right helps you a lot more than succeeding because one of the quotes that i like to live by uh for coaching at least is outcomes are distractions uh nick saban i think coined that one but um you could have a score be you could score 25 goals and win by you know 18 goals whatever it is right but how you get those goals makes such a big difference um because you might have a really good game that day. Like the other team might have a bad game, right? But if you play that same team 10 times, right, they're going to have a good game at some point. You're going to have a bad game. Can your bad game still beat their good game, right? And I think that's one of the things that was missing last year. Um, But, again, Larry allowing me – giving me, like, the reins of the offense kind of allowed me to figure this stuff out for myself, right, which, um, you know, I'm grateful for. And then the second thing is Jamie, who's now the offensive coordinator – He was, like, the offensive assistant. I don't even know what his exact title was, but he was helping me out with the offense a lot. And just being able to kind of, like, bounce ideas off him and kind of, like, go back and forth. And he's always great to, like, put me in check and me vice versa, right? Like, oh, maybe this won't work because of X, Y, and Z, right? Um, We're always trying to be, like, devil's advocate, you know, kind of giving both sides of the story so we're not, you know, just being yes men for each other, right? So I think that dynamic that we have or we had last year helped kind of put our offense in a pretty good spot going into the national tournament. Um, so I give a lot of credit to him as well.
0: And so then you've talked a lot about just, um, how big of an, uh, an impact Larry had in terms of, uh, in terms of molding you into this, or uh, giving you the reins, let's say to mold yourself into this sort of, into the offensive coach that you became. Um, and so then after the season progressed, obviously there had to have been conversations, um, when Larry decided that his time he had his time had ran its course here at Rhode Island and he wanted to step down. And then the conversations to appoint a successor ended up landing on you. So I mean, just like when he had that conversation with you saying, hey, like I would like you to take over for the team for me, just what were some of your reactions to that? Like how how did that feel? Because I mean I have to imagine that it was it had to have all felt like a very, very quick progression from then going from uh, captain the team and playing to then offensive coordinator to then the head coach of a team you've been a part of for your all four years of college it must have been a very kind of just surreal moment when they said it. just what were some of your reactions to that
1: yeah um i think it never really even crossed my mind being a head coach um for lacrosse team i was kind of just doing the offensive coordinator thing to um stay active, stay involved with the cross, so on and so forth, when I first started. And then I got, obviously, more and more into it, and it became um, something I really loved doing. Um, but like I said, Larry has always saw more potential in me than I think I've saw, seen for myself. Um, so, again, like, a lot of credit to him. And, I, like I said, I didn't consider it at all. And then when he brought it up to me after he said he was stepping down, um, I was honestly honored. And I think that even if I had said no, he wouldn't let me say no, because he knows that deep down um, I could handle it and I'd, I'd be good at it. So um, it, it was a lot of emotions going through because obviously, you know, Larry did a great job building this program up to what it is right now um, and kind of taking over at the peak. I wouldn't say the peak because I think we're still going up, right? But like at a pretty good spot, it, it might seem easy But you don't want to be the guy that makes it worse, you know? You don't want to be the guy that makes the team not as good as they were, like, successing from, you know, a great coach like Larry. But like I said, he gives me – he has all the confidence in me, which gives me confidence in myself, right, because he's had it my whole career, and I think I had a pretty successful career um, playing and coaching. Um, But, yeah, I – again, a lot of emotions going through uh, when it came out, but Larry, like I said, always has my best interest in mind. Trust me. Um, So I'm glad he did it because I'm having a lot of fun right now, but hopefully I can, hopefully I can fill his shoes.
0: And you alluded to how the transition was more difficult than it seemed going from being a player to moving into that offensive coordinator position. And so then the following season then moving into that head coaching role to where now you're overseeing everything from offense to defense to goalies like obviously you've got the coordinators for those specific branches but you're still the one overseeing all of that so adding in the defense and adding in like working with the goalies and having to help create tactics for all of those different branches just how difficult was it initially or what what were your thoughts of in terms of like all right, this is going to be hard like how am I going to pr- adequately prepare myself to step into this role?
1: Yeah, well, it's still difficult. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say it's easier now, right? It's still difficult. Um, being a head coach and being an offensive coordinator, it's two whole different ball games, right? Because you got to worry about the holistic view of the team, right? Like the offense, defense, face-off, wing play, clearing, riding, goalies, so on and so forth, like special situations, down a goal with like a minute left, right? Like, all this stuff you have to think about 24-7. Um, and I, I honestly think about lacrosse 24-7 anyways now, but uh, it helps that I'm able to do that still. Uh, then you get the back-end stuff as well, like dealing with the, the conference, the club sports office, so on and so forth. Um, so it's really like a full-time job being a head coach versus offensive coordinator. But one thing I will say that makes it easier is I can lean on my coordinators, right? I have full trust in Chris to put the defense in the best spot possible, right? I have full trust in Jamie to put the offense in the best spot possible, right? So, if I think that there's something specifically defensively we need to work on today, I can be like, Jamie, like, you got the offense all day today, right? I'm going with the defense to help Chris with this, so on and so forth, and vice versa, obviously. Um, So, having two really great coaches by my side has made it a lot easier if I was doing all this by myself I don't think I could handle it you know like those guys those guys make my job a lot easier every single day and the players too the players they've done a great job buying in to what we're um, selling this year I think last year's loss had a lot to do with that Um, but again the players this year allowing me to be a head coach and not you know worrying about oh I played with you two years ago blah blah all that kind of stuff like they're they view me as as coach now right not just Charlie so that's definitely good. And they allow me, they allow Chris, they allow Jamie to be the best coaches we can be day in and day out. So shout out to my assistants, shout out to the players.
0: And so not often do you see coaches being named who have been players in that same program as recently as you were. And considering just how club sports work, um, and for those listening that aren't too familiar, a lot of um, club sports are student-run organizations they're self-sufficient they operate through dues there's no um sort of like ncaa oversight like that where there's yeah. like funding from universities and so on it's all student funded and it's um uh fun like a lot of fundraising work is done like they uh, did a golf outing last year the team to raise a lot of money to in order to travel to these tournaments like they're going yeah you guys are traveling to dayton for a round-robin tournament in the next couple of weeks, right?
1: Uh, April. April. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so then it, to pay for trips for like that and then to pay for trips for nationals. And so there's like a a, um, a division of labor amongst the team. There's like an, a board of directors, an e-board, um, where members of the team, students have different roles and so on. But, I mean, as someone who was in that position while playing for the team, how has that sort of... Knowledge that you had gained as a player and that understanding of how the team operates from a player perspective helped you um, better, I, I let, let's say, become better as a coach. Like knowing just how this team operates in every sort of capacity, considering that you had done basically everything from the player side and now having starting to cut your teeth from the coach's side. How is that player experience helped you now?
1: I think if I hadn't been the vice president, I hadn't been on the e-board, I hadn't been a captain, I would not know like anything about how this team works. You know, I think that that experience was definitely invaluable because uh, there's a lot of things that we have to do behind the scenes that may get lost in translation or we may not exactly know the parameters around behind what we're doing. Um, so all of those years of experience of playing on the team and being – um, on the executive board, being a captain, seeing how the team operates, like from a back end perspective, has helped me tremendously because that's half of what I do now, right? I got to worry about um, are we eligible? Are we you know doing the right things within the conference? Are we you know getting the right amount of games? Are we traveling enough to get out of conference games to qualify for nationals, so on and so forth. And um, yeah, so I, I think bottom line is my the lessons that I learned as a player has made this a lot, a lot easier on me. Cause if I came in not knowing um, how club sports worked and how the team operate, I think that uh, it would be very, very difficult. And I'd be late on a lot of deadlines. So, yeah. Um,
0: and, this, and as, as we're starting to sort of wrap this up, I want to touch upon just from your own perspective and your own opinion, how has this program grown? Since, Because you've now been involved in the program, I mean, we're six going on seven years now. And that's a long time. And from the conversations that I've had with coaches, with players past and present, and from those that have been at the university for a long time that have paid attention to the program, this program has changed tremendously, even in the past three years, let alone the past six. So, I mean, just from your perspective, just what are some of the biggest changes or the biggest ways that this program has evolved since when you first stepped on campus and joined the program to now being that coach?
1: I think exposure is the word that comes to mind. I think that at least when I was a freshman, the team definitely had the talent. I The team was good enough to be on the level of the national contenders, right? Um, I think that exposure has changed a lot. We've figured out we are good enough um, to win our conference, obviously, to win uh, a lot of games at nationals, to win games out of conference against you know powerhouses of the MCLA, I think that's always been there. We just didn't realize it. And the more exposure we get, the more we start to believe in ourselves, right? So that's the biggest thing is the belief and like the knowing that we are a team that you know is to be reckoned with no matter who we play. Um, that That's probably the biggest thing. I think that the social media presence that you help uh, with, that helps us a lot, too, because you get more people getting eyes in the program. You get more people involved as players, alumni, parents, whatever it may be, fans. Um, so that helps a lot, too. People see us all the way from California now, where, as in the past, they might have not. Um, but, yeah, like I said, exposure. Just knowing that we can compete with the top dogs, right, helps us practice plan tells people understand like all right like we're playing for something now we got to buy in we gotta do this we gotta do that so on and so forth so um that's been the biggest thing I think the commitment the players like mindset has changed too um at least personally speaking practice uh I, w- I wouldn't say it was optional but if people miss practice back in the day like it was whatever slap on the wrist nothing no big deal uh but now it's like it's a big deal you miss a lot you miss a lot of things at practice um But yeah, I think just the the buy-in, everything, commitment, buy-in, exposure, all those three things, it's kind of changed. I think the team's in a really good spot right now based off um, where it was, but we always had the potential to be here, is what I'm trying to say. And so then, looking forward,
0: this is going to be the first big season for you as the head coach. There was Mm going to be the game versus Maine away this Sunday, but that game is getting rescheduled now. Postponed, yeah. Is, Is there a date for that yet, or...
1: Tentatively March second, we're playing them at home Saturday, March second.
0: Nice, but yeah. and so in in any sense, I'm just curious. Now that you had gone through the fall season, kind of got your feet wet a little bit, playing in a couple um, a couple scrimmages, a couple games um, uh, against uh, regional opponents to sort of get an idea about how this how this role works and how the players are responding to your authority in a sense, and then you also have an idea about what the the strength of the roster. I'm just curious. I mean, I want to hear some of your expectations for this season, but then how you feel that now that you're at the helm and the way, and just your vision for this program in a, in the next couple of years down the line.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I've um, done more recently, like you know, at a personal level, is just not worry about the uncontrollables. Right, just control what I can control. And I think that needs to translate to the team. I think it does translate to the team. We can't control what our ranking is, right? We can't control if the refs are going to call it tight or they're going to call it loose every single day, right? We can't control what happened in the past, right? Let up a goal you can't control. You can't change the score yourself. So I think the biggest thing that we need to focus on um, is just – winning the next day, right? Whether that be a game, whether it be practice, whether you have a big test, right? You got to be eligible, got to pass those tests, right? All that stuff, we just got to worry about getting 1% better every single day. Um, so it's kind of hard when you ask questions like, like, oh, like the future, blah, blah. I think I, I, I just want to keep that culture going and build more of a culture where we're not only a team that, builds like winning, you know, teams and we're winning national championships like that. I want to build a program that people are proud of, that people become better men for being a part of, you know, like better husbands, better coworkers, better teammates, better fathers, so on and so forth. Um at the end of the day, that's I think how I would define success for this program, right? I think winning and losing, like I said, outcomes can be distractions sometimes obviously you want to win, right? That's the big thing, but you can't win the big one if you don't win the small ones first. So I think we got to stay stay grounded, stay focused, worrying about better, bettering ourselves every single day. And I think that with that, we'll just become more of a, a big culture for the team and that'll, you know, in turn make the the team better. So yeah, that's what I'm concerned with <laughs> right
0: and, now. and so then, um, I mean, as the program... Sort of evolves, and as the name grows, I mean, I mean, you you see it with programs at, at I mean at URI, you've seen it with like the women's lacrosse program, you've seen conversations with hockey about of teams moving up and so on. I know that it's Division Two club right now. Is the door ever possibly open for maybe making the jump to Division One club at some point in the future, or we're eventually making the jump up to varsity, or is that something that you're not overly concerned with right now?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm terribly concerned with that. Like I said, we're worried about this season and what's going to happen, you know. Like, I'm more worried about practice tonight than I am if we're going to go Division One in the next couple of years, right? Um, but I, I think that the door is definitely always open for that. I I do think that you have to have some success at your own level first before you make the jump to an uh, allegedly higher level, you know. I think that that's on us. We got to start being successful um, for that to, you know, take shape. I think that the more exposure we get, the more national recognition we get, it's going to start putting pressure on maybe the athletic department to maybe consider it, right? But again, it's out of our control. We can't control anything that happens there. Um, I think if we just, like I said, focus on getting better every day, winning the day, and then becoming better people for it, right? That Everything else will take its course, right? Everything else will work itself out the way we want it to. Um, so, yeah, again, I know it's a it's a very coach speak answer, right? But we're not worried about the future right now. I think that that stuff will happen if it happens, you know.
0: Yeah, that's and that's justified, though. I feel like that it's that's probably the best way to sort of look at it. I mean, because you don't it, it those sorts of conversations while they are very interesting and it's it's cool to sort of discuss a program like this that is garnering so much attention, possibly getting the ability to move up higher into the ranks and show their stuff. But, I mean, it can be a distraction at, at, at some levels. And so, I mean, then just one final thing that I'm curious about is that you mentioned the pressure. The, the the pressure that comes with the added exposure. And now, like last year, Rhode Island was ranked in the top three for almost the entire year. We were in, one for a while. Yeah, one, yeah number yeah. one team in the country for a, a long time in Division Two club lacrosse and so that obviously comes with added pressure and so on and do you feel that now particularly for this group of guys a number of them who have been here for a very long time have been here for four years that have been competing in this competitive atmosphere for four years do you feel that that added pressure could be that final piece that really pushes you guys beyond your some of your expectations this year and could push you over that final hurdle to win a national championship?
1: I think I, I think I go by this motto, pressure's a privilege. I think it's great to have pressure. It means you got people rooting for you. You got you know a reason to have pressure, right? Um, I think that pressure specifically won't be the differentiator. It's how we react to it, right? Are we going to crumble under pressure or are we going to rise to the occasion? I think that last year... Um, I'd say at least myself crumbled a little bit under pressure, right? As soon as we started feeling the heat, um, we started to deteriorate, you know? Uh, How you respond to pressure is going to determine um, whether you're successful or not in anything you do, not just like lacrosse game. It could be literally anything, right? Um, I think that we have the mental fortitude right now um, with the guys in charge, right? We just got to make sure we keep that throughout the entire season, right? If we lose that step for even a second in any game in any any game we play no matter if it's a national tournament or if it's a regular season game right we are susceptible to lose no matter who we're playing right um but we need to keep our edge the entire season if we want to be successful and we need to just worry about the next play right you can't change what happened in the past team scores five goals on you can't do anything about it right it's what's done is done uh, you've got to worry about the next play. So keep that mindset throughout practice, throughout games, throughout you know your daily walk, whatever it is, right, will be successful in the end. And I think that if you keep that short-sighted mindset as well, pressure is kind of non-existent. So hopefully that's how it works out. All right. Well, Charlie, I
0: really appreciate you joining the show today. I, I got to imagine that you've probably made a number of new fans for people listening um, on the airwaves today. But I'm very excited to get back onto the sidelines working with you guys again. I've been very much looking forward to this. The fall season got me very stoked seeing a lot of the new guys coming in and just seeing how it's the level of competitiveness has remained the same or it, it, I feel like it honestly just continues to grow season upon season. So I'm very much looking forward to the start of the season. But I mean, just again, thanks for coming on today, sharing a little bit of your story. I mean, it's it's one that I've always loved I, i've loved witnessing unfold in front of my eyes so i mean just th- thanks for coming on i appreciate it
1: yeah one thing i'll say too home games right let's get a lot of people out there right people that are interested in lacrosse uh fans students whatever it may be right let's pack those stands we've got a pretty good team i'd love to show everyone for that but uh mark with that being said appreciate everything you do for us right i think it goes very under appreciated right that you we're on our social media pages, all the crazy tweets that you see with the big, bold letters and whatever it may be during the game, right? That's Mark behind the sticks doing that. Um, making sure we get content out, right, all the time so that we're staying in the impressions loop that we want to be in, you know. but um, Yeah, what you do for the team is, it goes very unspoken. We just want to shout you out. So I, thank you. I
0: appreciate that a lot. I really, yeah. I really do. It, it's, it means a lot and I love being able to work with you guys so again thanks i really appreciate yeah. it um well everybody at home thank you all for listening to this week's show i um, still gonna be coordinating guests for next week so uh i'll keep you all posted on the socials marks Marks pod on twitter and instagram so just stay tuned for any updates and i will see you all next week